Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would, please turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start a little different than we did in the 9 o'clock service. I purpose not to just copy what we did in the earlier service. Because there's different people here in this service and you might need something a tad bit different. But it's the same same title, same message, but there's maybe a few different scriptures we'll go to. Um, We get replies from the people in our church quite regularly on what they're struggling with. I actually asked people to let us know, what are you you struggling with? Are you struggling with paranoia, suicidal thoughts, loneliness, depression? Are you struggling with sickness, disease, bad habits? Are you struggling with with unclear purpose, depression? What are you struggling with? So on our website, the homepage, if you scroll down, you can fill out a form and click submit, and we'll pray for you in those specific areas. We'll, We'll prepare sermons for you in specific areas. We'll help you in those areas. And so we've been receiving feedback from the church, which we're so thankful for. You know, you know, guys, you, you can fill these forms out too. Sometimes ladies do all this because guys, there's things you need too. And you don't want to just fight your battles alone. We need each other. Yes. Are you kidding me? Especially in these days, men need to hang out with men of God and overcome these things in the earth that are coming against men. But the number two thing, two, two things actually have tied for number one. And what people have been sending in of what they're struggling with. Y'all want to hear the top number one thing that people are struggling with? Actually, it's a tie. There's two things that people are struggling with the most in our church. And I believe this represents more than just our church. It's like a, a representation probably of the entire country and beyond. And the two things at the top of the list that people are struggling with in our church are number one, unclear purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? I'm dissatisfied. I'm working hard, but I feel like I'm not fulfilling any purpose. You know, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And number two, right up there at the same level, depression. I wonder if they go together. Well, I stopped wondering when I started reading the Bible and realized they do go together. As a matter of fact, I won't turn to the scripture, but in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision... People perish. How serious is it? How serious is it to have a vision for your life, a reason for living? How serious? Well, how serious is perishing or not perishing? One translation says where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. They have no self-control. They become demoralized. Why? No reason to get it together. People have died for lack of purpose and lack of vision. And the Bible talks about it for thousands of years. And so we want to talk about for however long the Lord wants on Sunday mornings, what are you doing here? What is your life? Where'd you come from? Because you can find out where you came from. You have a lot to discern about where you're going. Well, I personally believe the Bible. I do not believe evolution. Actually, I believe the opposite. Man has not evolved since the beginning. Man has devolved since the beginning. If you believe in creation, you believe in the Bible, Adam, our great, 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 granddaddy, walked with God in the cool of the day and hung out with God. To where man is today, falling prey to all kinds of lusts and animal instincts and all kinds of weird stuff, man has not evolved. Man has devolved since the beginning. And then we've got all these kids with self-esteem problems. In school, just just terrible self-esteem. Well, duh, you keep telling them that they come from slime in the sea, evolved into a monkey, and now they're just glorified animals. Duh. What kind of purpose are they going to have in their life? What, What do they have to look forward to? No, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Paul said we're the offspring of God. And if you really want to build somebody's self-esteem and give them hope, tell them the truth. You're not an accident. God wanted a family. He's pleased that you're in it. He wanted you here. He ordained for it to happen. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And he wanted you here and you're here because it pleased him to have you in his family. 
Turn to Revelation chapter 4 before we go to Romans. Revelation 4, uh, we'll look at verse 11. This is the last book in the Bible, and Jesus is talking to John to give a message to the churches. And actually, John is caught up into heaven here, and he's before the throne of God. And he's hearing all this praise and worship, and all these powerful things are happening, and he hears everybody singing these words. Look at this, Revelation chapter 4, isn't it? Verse 11. They're all singing, God, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For God, you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now, I don't know if you got a revelation up, but you were created by God in the image and likeness of God. Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply and to replicate what they were. And what they were, were children of God, made in the image and likeness of God. Now sin and Satan came on the scene, messed up God's family. Man severed himself from the family of God, and Jesus came back to restore us. And if you're born again today, you're back in the family of God. You know, a lot of people, they're just not very interested in the good news of Jesus Christ, because they don't know the bad news of Adam and Eve. Do you realize that Everybody on this planet needs to be born again. After you reach the age of accountability, you must be born again. Everybody. It's an inherent thing that we couldn't fix by doing better. Refining our behavior. We needed a new heart, a new nature, and only God could do that. When Adam messed this thing up, he messed it up big time for the entire human race. And our being in God's family was all messed up. But Jesus came back, and if, you're, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior today, you're back in the family. It's not, on, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Mercy and grace got us back in the family. Okay, but now, you know, most people are born again, probably under the sound of my voice, but if you're not, we'll give you an opportunity in just a few minutes to, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The number one thing you need in this life is to be saved. That's number one. If you, if you want to get right down to it, the number one thing everybody on this planet needs in their life is to be saved, whether they feel like they do or not. Because when they die and leave their body, they're going to have an eye-opening experience, realizing that Jesus was the only Savior. So there, there's three things that is God's plan and purpose for everybody on this planet after Adam and Eve messed up. Number one, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Get saved. Number two, be filled with His Holy Spirit. A lot of people stop at being saved. They never move on into being filled with the Spirit. Or they just have one experience in their life where they got filled with the Spirit and spoken tongues and never from that moment ever again. Well, that's not what the, the Bible talks about, maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Stay filled with the Spirit. Keep feeding on the Scriptures. Keep praying. Keep worshiping God. Keep going to church. Keep encouraging one another in the things of God. Why? Because you want to maintain a Spirit-filled life, not just have a Spirit-filled experience three years ago. Pray in tongues every day. Worship God every day. Hang around believers every day. Right? And number three, right? Saved, filled. Number three, it's God's plan and purpose that we walk in love every day of our life and grow in love. But this scripture, the first scripture we just went to here, if you want to put it back on the screen, you need to realize first and foremost, it is God's plan and purpose for you to be created so that He could have a family to love. He wanted you in his family. Amen. So that's a good start, right? Why am I here? Because your father God, the creator of the universe, was pleased to have you by his side. Yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you, you should just tell your face to smile right now, whether you watch it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. I don't care how you got here naturally. Right. You're here. Because he wanted you here. Yes. Even if there was a few bumps along the way, if you're here, it's because ultimately because he wanted you here. He wanted you in his family. It pleased him to have you in his family. So just say this. I, I am wanted by God. <laughs> he wanted me. That's why I'm here. And that'll clear a ton up right there, right? He wanted me. I mean, if that's all you got today, that's enough to keep you going for a few years, right? He wanted me. I'm wanted. I'm needed. God wanted me. Yeah. It pleased him 
to have you in his family. But now the question comes, all right, I know why I'm here, because God wanted me here. I wonder if he wants me to do anything while I'm here. I wonder if he has any assignments for me or a, a purpose for my living. I know my purpose for being is he wanted me here, but now what's my purpose for living since I am here? Before you go to that scripture in Romans, go to James 4. James 4. I'm going to purpose just flow with the direction of the Lord right now. I've got notes, but I don't want to be bound by my notes. I want to make sure we go with the flow here. Look at uh, James chapter 4. Has any, did you all put that graphic up there already on the, the series? Did you guys see that already? The guy was all stressed out trying to figure out what he's doing here. Did you not see that up there? Uh, let's look here at James chapter 4. There it is. He even got the back screen fixed. That's awesome, guys. See the guy? You ever felt like that? What am I doing here? You know, there's a lot of people working really hard on their careers and their jobs, but they're not fulfilling their purpose and they're still dissatisfied. There's a difference between working hard on a job and fulfilling your purpose being born. Anybody interested in fulfilling your purpose? You know, you know that thing on the inside of you to where you're not looking forward to the weekend. You're looking forward to getting on with things. You take breaks because you have to, not because that's the greatest thing in your life. You want to be rejuvenated for your purpose. You bounce out of bed. You don't, you don't, you know what I'm talking about? You, you have a purpose. You're stable. You're not spinning around with every whim of whatever. You know why you're here. You know who called you. You know who made you. You know where you're going. It's wonderful to have that. There was a time in my life I didn't have that, and it was a dizzy mess. It was awful. And I'll share personal testimony at the end, how I, how I got my purpose and how I don't have sad days anymore and how we overcome everything that comes our way. If you have a purpose, you can overcome anything. But if you're just doing a job, you may or may not. I don't know. I'm just doing my job. Connect it to your purpose for being here. And if it's not, if that job's not part of your purpose, find your purpose. And that's what we're doing today. We're finding our purpose. So, in James chapter 4, did I tell you what verse? Look here at verse 13. This is a little King James-ish, but you'll, you'll get the gist here. James 4, 13. James says, now go to you that say, uh, today or tomorrow... We're going to go into such and such a city and we're going to start up a business, continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. He's saying, wait, 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 wait. Before you say all this, what you're going to do, slow down. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Right? That's what he's saying. He said, go to now. He said, wait a minute. You guys that are saying, well, today we're going to do this. Tomorrow we're going to do that. We're going to start this business up. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. He's saying, basically, don't be led by gain. Don't be led by opportunity. Don't be led by what everybody else is saying. Slow down. God has a plan for your life. Yeah, it may take a little time to find out what that plan is, but it will save you decades of heartache later. There's a scripture, I don't know how many people have seen this, but there's a scripture in the Bible that says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If God's not in it, there's going to be a lot of extra hard work. If God's not in it, it's going to be in vain, even though you get it built. Something's still going to be dissatisfying about it. You built this whole thing and never pray. The Bible says, except the Lord is in it, you labor in vain. You get the mansion, you get the jet, you get the rolls, you get everything you want. The person... But if God's not in your life and if you're not doing His will, all that stuff is empty and you're still dissatisfied. And God doesn't want you dissatisfied. He wants you full of joy. He wants you advertising how good He is to the people around you. And dissatisfaction is not a good advertisement for the Lord. He said, now watch out about this. Making all these decisions before you pray. Buying and selling. Going here, going there. Doing this, doing that. It may be right, but pray about it. Next verse. James says, the reason you shouldn't do this is because you don't know what shall be on the morrow. God knows the future. All right, what's this next phrase? What is it? What is your life? That's a great question. 
What's your life? What is your life? What really, what is your life? What are you even doing here today? Why are you putting one foot in front of the other? Why are you even living? I mean, there's got to be more to this than I'm going to make a lot of money, have a few vacations, retire, and die. I mean, there's got to be more to it than that, right? I mean, there's got to be some zing to life. I mean, do you know why, do you know why the pharmaceutical industry is so um, tri- in the trillions today? Because people don't know their purpose. They're trying to numb themselves to the dissatisfaction because they're not fulfilling their purpose. What's your life? What is your life? Now notice, his answer is amazing, but think about this. What is your life? It's a vapor. Anybody ever see a vapor? You ever have a hot cup of coffee or tea? You see the vapor come off of it? How long does that last? Say this with me. This life on earth is the shortest thing I will ever do. If our life on earth is this short, we need to make every second count. Compared to eternity, this earth life is a vapor. If you lived 120, it's a vapor compared to eternity. So do you think we should be a little selective about what we're doing with this vapor? Hmm? Maybe a little more discovering before all this deciding. Pray. Lord, what's your will for my life? And then when he leads you to it, get into it. Sell out to it. Believe it's the best way and you'll see it's the best way. What's your life? Well, number one, a couple more clicks and we're all out of here. How about we make the clicks count? What is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So, you ought to say, if the Lord will. And then what the next verse says? Doesn't it say, it talks about your life being a vapor? Then it says, what you ought to say, if the Lord will, we'll make a living doing this or we'll make a living doing that. Everybody say, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. Do you think that's an important phrase to have in your constant daily vocabulary? An opportunity comes your way. To pack up and move and go somewhere. What should you do? To, to, make, to make five times what you're making now. What should you do, born-again believer? What should you, see, we're different than the world. What should you do? You should say, if the Lord will. Because there are some things money can't fix. There are some things that look good now, but one week from now it turns into Frankenstein. Right? So instead of just jumping... And doing stuff, when we don't know the future, that's called playing Russian roulette with your life. Huh? How many of you want to be sure when you make big decisions that God's in it? Because here's one thing, here's one really cool thing. I know some of you may not be understanding this right now, but I pray that you get this and that you get what you need today because it's so vitally important. I wish I would have heard these things when I was a teenager. I wish I would have heard these things. Oh, I would have... I would have avoided a ton of unnecessary adversity and hard times and broken hearts and all kinds of stuff. We need to get in the habit of realizing the God that we serve knows the future. He also knows the hearts of all men. Today could be a prince, ladies. Tomorrow could be Frankenstein. You might want to talk to the father about who you hook up with in case he knows something about the future, you don't. Or the heart of someone that you don't. I pray that this church becomes reputable for that church. One thing about Faith Heights Church, they hear from God. And they follow the leading of the Lord. Everybody say, my life is like a vapor. I'm going to make every second count. Turn to, before you even go to Romans yet, go to um, Ezra chapter 4.
I'm going to share something I didn't share in the early service. Um, we're a little crunched for time in the early service, but we've got like seven, eight hours this morning, so. Um, I'm going to share something with you. We're going to go to Ezra 4, and we're going to look at verse 5 in just a second. Don't put it up yet. But when you go from just doing your job to fulfilling your purpose, your God-given purpose, things in your life just start to shape up. Your faith comes alive and starts making things happen that need to happen so you can fulfill your purpose, not just do your job. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but if you're a born-again Christian, you have everything in you right now to succeed in anything. Overcoming disease. Seeing a miracle in your life. Prospering. You have, Jesus didn't shortchange you. You have faith. You have His faith, but you've got to use it and develop it. You have His love, which has totally produced success in your life. You've got His name. You've got authority over opposing forces, demons and all kinds of stuff. You've got authority and victory over all that, if you'd use it. You have everything you need right now to be totally successful in anything you want to be successful in. My question is, why haven't we seen the success if we have the power to live in it? I don't think there's been a strong enough purpose for your faith to rise up and make it happen. Sometimes it's just got to be a strong purpose. I know the Lord's dealt with me about this. There's times I didn't receive things from the Lord. I had the faith. I had God's word on it. I knew His will. I just didn't have the strong enough purpose stirred up on the inside of me to rise up and, and rebuke what I needed to rebuke, claim what I needed to claim, and stay in faith long enough until things could change. I'll just be honest with you. I have not received everything I've prayed for from the Lord. I haven't. Pastor, don't you feel bad about that? Not a bit. I'm a learner just like you. God doesn't see failures. He sees learners. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I could have done better and received better, even in my prayers for other people, but... You can sit there and dwell on what didn't happen, or you can go forward saying, God, today's a new day. And there's an enemy out there that wants to mess your Christianity up. The devil's number one goal is to keep people from thinking they need Jesus. But if you, if you find out you do need Him, and you, find, and you end up do receiving Jesus, the devil just goes to a different tactic. Now his tactic is, let's mess up their Christianity and make it as hell on earth as much as we can until they get to heaven. Well, he does not want you fulfilling your God-given purpose. Number one, he doesn't even want you saved. But he couldn't stop you from being saved, so how about we keep him from stopping us from fulfilling our purpose? Look at Ezra chapter 4. They were building the temple in Jerusalem. It was laid waste. It was destroyed. Terrible things happened. They started building the temple. And enemies were opposing God's people from fulfilling their purpose. Ezra 4, 5. Let's read that fifth verse in Ezra chapter 4, verse 5. And all these crazy people hired counselors against Israel to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So there is these people, wicked people, who are yielding to the devil, trying to stop God's people from doing what God told them to do. Will there be opposition to you yes. doing what God wants you to do? Will there be opposition to your plans and purposes in God? Will there be opposition trying to stop you from doing what God called you to do? Yeah. These guys overcame, if you read the rest of the story. You can read Ezra yourself. It's in the Bible. They overcame. Yes, there was some opposition, but they didn't quit. They didn't stop. There was a break for a little bit. Then they got back into it and they moved forward and they got the temple built again. They fulfilled the will of God and no enemy could stop them. The only thing that could stop them was themselves. And their purpose got frustrated for a little while and they stopped, but then they got their purpose back and they completed what God called them to complete and the devil couldn't do a thing about it. He just had to sit there and watch and weep, I guess. So the enemy knows the power of purpose. He knows that if you're beyond just doing your job and actually fulfilling your heavenly purpose, he knows your faith's going to be at an all-time high. You're going to see things in your life. You're going to see increase of power and anointing because you're not just doing things because you've got to do a job. You're fulfilling your purpose. That'll spark you. That'll light your fire right there. So now turn to Romans 8. and let's, I, I'm a little interested about what I'm going to say here now myself because I don't see the full connection at the minute, but I sense the Lord said, turn to Romans 8, verse 28. 
So let's see what the Lord has for us. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, 28. Interesting verse of scripture is get, gets quoted by a lot of people. A lot of times it's only half quoted. But uh, let's read the full verse. I'm sure you've heard this sometime in your life. And we know that all things work together for good. To everybody, no matter what. No, that's how it's quoted sometimes. But friend, that is not reading the full scripture. It's pulling a scripture out of context. I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are some things that are happening to people. They're not working for any good at all. They're going down and down and down and down. There's no good at coming out of it at all. I want you to notice a certain group of people all things work together good for. And we know that all things work together for good to them that are loved of God. I didn't know. That's not what it says. Still a little off, isn't it? Well, Pastor, God loves me. Everything's just going to work out fine. He loves you, but that doesn't mean everything's going to work out fine. It talks about everything working out good, even bad things working together for good to those who love God. I am thankful for God loves me messages. I'll take any one anytime you got one. Tell me God loves me. I never get tired of hearing that. I want to hear more messages on God loves me, but this scripture is talking about us loving Him. Huh? Man, you, if you get into loving God, all of a sudden work for Him becomes fun. What other people are burned out on, you're ready to go stronger in. Because if love is your motivation for obeying and serving the Lord, this earth life will seem like a few days and you'll be out of here after your time of loving God. It's just, I can see why people get burned out. They're they're serving for wrong reasons. They're doing it because it's their job or man needs me or connect it to God. If you don't know that what you're doing right now is, is the purpose of God in your life, slow down. Pray. Take some seasons of seeking God. Look to the Lord and see, Lord, is this what you have? It may be, and all you need to adjust is your motive. All right, all right, all right. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I've just been working for a paycheck. I'm going to start now fulfilling my purpose. Oh, a paycheck will be the result, but that's not why I'm doing it. This is where God wants me. Purpose. So notice, all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them that are called according to his purpose. Hmm, very interesting. So church, one thing we need to realize is that we're here on this planet first and foremost for somebody else, not ourselves. To be biblically truthful, For you and me right now, as believers, to be in heaven is far better than being on this planet. This world is in a fallen state. There's crazy things happening. We're in the end times. All kinds of stuff's escalating. Evil men and seducers are getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Perilous times are all around us. Crazy things are happening. Something's about to happen to our son. Jesus said in the last days, our star, something's going to happen to our son. We're living in the last days, crazy stuff. It'd be far better to be in heaven right now for us. But Paul the Apostle came upon the same crossroads, right? He said, guys, for me, it's far better to be with Christ. But to stay here in my body is more needful for you. You need some things the Lord's given me to give to you. And I ain't leaving until I'm done doing what the Lord told me to do. See, if all you're living for is yourself, you're going to be dissatisfied at times. Depression will try to creep in because if it's all about you, that's depressing. (laughs) You've got to have a bigger vision than that if you want joy in your life, man. Paul told the church of Philippi, you're my joy. You're my crown. You're my reward. You're the reason I'm here. Man, if it wasn't for you, I'd check out today. Give up the ghost and be in heaven with Jesus. It's far better. But it's more needful for me to be here for you. 
Let me show you uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I don't think I had this one on my notes, but turn to 2 Timothy 4. And you guys just realize this. God has a plan for your life. What better place to go to figure out what are you doing here than the one who made you? <laughs> I mean, it just makes sense, right? Go to the manual, you know, who made you? Well, ask him what he has for your life. Even Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. See, he had a will. He wanted certain things, but he learned to yield his will to the Father and see the greatest power. I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 5. Let's read a couple verses here. I want to be able to say the same thing, and I determine I will be able to say the same thing as Paul in these verses here. Yeah, there, 2 Timothy. Watch Timothy in all things. He's talking to his uh, young uh, apprentice, I guess you'd say. Endure afflictions, Timothy. Notice there's some things you don't run away from. Some things you grow up through. Right? And he's not talking about sickness or disease here. He's talking about staying in tough situations. Right? Uh, staying obedient when you don't agree. Staying honorable. Right? Don't break rank. Hang in there. Move forward. It's not always easy, but you, there's some things you need to grow up through. Do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. Make full proof of your ministry. Keep going. Paul gives personal testimony here. Paul says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now, before you go to the next verse, you realize what he's saying by departure? He's not talking about getting on an airplane. This is 2,000 years ago. When he's talking about the time of my departure, he's talking about leaving the earth realm, leaving his body. The body without the spirit is dead. He's talking about departing. See, death for the Christian it's not bad. It's called departing. Now, for the world, it's really bad. And I don't think people realize this either. I think people need to realize that everybody saved or not saved is going to exist forever somewhere. Do you understand? The Bible talks about everlasting life. The same Bible talks about everlasting damnation. Spirit beings, you can't snuff yourself out. You know, you, you could put a hole in your body and your spirit leave, but you're still conscious. Your spirit and your soul goes somewhere. And the Bible says there's only two, two directions to go when you leave your body. Up, right? The Bible talks about ascending up into glory. Jesus ascended up on clouds. And the Bible also talks about descending into hell. There's a scripture that says hell from beneath is moved. Hell from where? Beneath. Hell. This is talking about unbelievers, so you don't have to worry about this. The Bible says hell from beneath is moved to meet you at your coming. It stirreth up the dead for you. How many glad you're not going down? Why aren't you going down? Because you believe in Jesus, not because you've been perfect. You're, you're saved. You may not be the goodest of the good, but you are saved, right? And if you're saved, if you believe in Jesus, if you're not ashamed to confess Him as your Lord, you are going up when you breathe your last breath, not down. Can anybody say, thank you, Jesus? Glory to God. So well, I still can't understand, Pastor, why God would send people to hell. He doesn't have to send someone to hell who's already on the road to hell because of Adam's mistake. God didn't have to send somebody to hell who's already on the road to hell. He's trying to get people off that road. Adam messed this whole thing up in Adam. I'll die. Jesus is trying to get people off the road. Adam put them on. But if they don't believe in Jesus, they stay on the road. Adam put them on. And that's not God sending people to hell. That's people ending up on a road they refuse to get off of. There's some people who just need to throw aside logic and throw aside their thinking and believe in Jesus and get saved. Quit trying to figure it all out. I don't know how it all works. I don't know how my car, anybody, I, maybe some of you, I don't know how my car works. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I, I just don't know all the ins and outs of my car. 
But that doesn't mean I'm not going to get in and benefit from it and drive it. I just believe it's going to work, and it does. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just believe in Jesus. He's the Savior of all mankind. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And go up when you leave the earth, not down, right? He will escort you up if you believe in Him. You don't have to be perfect. You could, you could have been a murderer and still go to heaven. Adulterers still go to heaven. There's no, the only sin that keeps people out of heaven is not believing in Jesus. Now, once you believe in Jesus and have a true encounter with Him, you're not going to want that junk anymore that was destroying you. So Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. <laughs> How many people depart every day? I think it's two every second. Like 150,000 people depart this planet every day. Some are going up and some are going down. There's arrivals every day, about the same amount. Arrivals and departures. Arrivals and departures. Arrivals and departures. Right? And Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. Next verse. Let's read the next verse, guys. He said, I have fought a good fight on this planet here. I fought a good fight. Anybody want to say that at the end? I don't want to get to the end and go, I've been so beat up. I can't wait to get out of here. No, Paul said, I fought a good fight. What did he say? I have finished my course. Now, he was on a course before this course that he thought was the course. But then Jesus appeared to him and he had a, a smack dab revelation of Jesus Christ and realized what he was doing was not God's purpose. It was Paul's purpose. And then Paul made some major adjustments, got born again, got filled with the spirit and started doing God's will for his life. And he said, I finished that course. How many of you want to say at the end of your life, I finished what I was born to do? And don't get greatness in your mind. It may just be one person he wanted you to minister. Just know, whatever he's called you to do, you could at the end of your life go, I finished my course. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, Paul was not living for this life. He was living for the next life. Look at the next verse. He said, because I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Whew. How many want to say that at the end of your life? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Well, you need to have some revelation and understanding of what that course is if you're going to finish it. Now, remember, I said this earlier. The general will of God for everybody on this planet is please get saved. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And God said you'd be saved. That is the plan of God for everybody on this planet. Number two, and in this order, is it is God's will for every saved person on this planet to be filled and to live a Spirit-filled life. How do you do that, Pastor? You hang around God and the things of God. He's not just an add-on to your life. Church is not just an add-on. You are the church. That's why you're in church, because you are the church. This is not an add-on. Find your place in the body. Hook up. Be fulfilled. Quit just working. Fulfill your purpose, man. You're in kingdom business here. You're a part of the body of Christ. I don't care if it's opening the door. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the kingdom of God than to dwell in the mansions of the wicked. I'll figure out what it means to open a door. I'll know everything about a door. I'll research the Bible. I'll research Google. I'll be the best doorkeeper for God in the universe. And when you're opening that door, you're going to sense peace and joy because you're not just doing a job, doing something man wants you to do. You're fulfilling your purpose in the house of God. How could King David, a multi-billionaire, say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Just give me a doorkeeping job in the house of God rather than to dwell in the tabernacles of the wicked. He realized the kingdom eternal significance of working for God above just working for a man who's not even connected to God. Did you know there's eternal rewards and eternal significance for anything you do in his church? He's an amazing accountant, and he will never forget your good deeds for him. 
The Bible says the only thing that we can take to heaven with us and that will follow us to heaven is our works for Him. <clears throat> Everything else is going to be forgotten in two seconds after this thing's over. Burned up and gone. But the things we do for Him, and how do we do things for Him today? Well, His church is His body. And I'm going to, it's, it's broader than this, but my time is limited. So I'm going to share a couple things in closing, personal testimony that's happened to Carla and I when we decided to find our purpose and fulfill it. Do you know why a lot of people are depressed today? They don't know why they're here. They don't, they don't see their connection between what they're doing and eternity. They're not, they're not sure if it's just a job or is it fulfilling my purpose. When you're fulfilling your purpose, you are the happiest person around. You have something in you that want to get out of bed. Ah, oh, I just, I can't wait to that vacation. I can't wait to that time off. Oh, thank God it's Friday. What's that a sign of? Somebody who's not stepped into their purpose. People that have purpose aren't looking forward to getting off. They're looking forward to getting on with it. Because you know you're, you're not just a nobody. You're wanted. You're needed. The kingdom needs me. My church needs me. My family needs me. I'm needed. I'm wanted. I know I'm doing what God told me to do. And sometimes all you'll get is this, help in the church. That's it. In this area, you know what I mean? Just help. At a time like that, you don't want to be real specific. Just, just do whatever needs done, right? And know that you're fulfilling kingdom business. Oh, I used to be depressed, severely depressed. I, put, I, I had all kinds of problems. I mean, I, I grew up... <laughs> My dad died when I was like eight, nine years old. He's throwing up blood, cirrhosis of the liver, alcoholic, drank himself to death, gunshots going off in the house, cut himself with a razor blade one time. I came into the bathroom, there's blood all over him, and just, that'll have an effect on a little kid. So I, I grew up without a dad. I had a brother and a sister older than me. My mom did her best. She's amazing. She's in heaven now. Um, but I was a mess because I didn't get certain things when I was a kid. And I also experienced certain things a lot of people don't experience. And I needed help. And I mean, I was messed up. I, I got into drugs. I put things in my veins. I have no idea today what it was. It just made me feel like Gumby. I think they said it was shark tranquilizer or something. Just, just weird stuff. Just took all these drugs and did all this stuff. Hallucinated terribly on, on drugs and just almost died. Devil tried to kill me a few times. My mom's prayer snatched me right out of the hands of the devil. Just pulled me right out of that dark. I didn't know it was a devil back then. I just thought I was losing it. And then I got saved. And I got delivered. And I realized that the enemy was trying to kill me. And I better find my purpose in God quick. Because I'm about ready to check out of here prematurely. And I tell you, you talk about spiritual warfare. Awful. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And if that's just a taste of what hell's like then I'm going to do my best to help people not go to hell. Right? I heard a testimony of one guy who said he didn't even go all the way into hell. He was on the outskirts of hell through a vision. And he said, I didn't even like the outskirts of hell. I said, it's the worst thing I've ever sensed in my life. And the Lord pulled him up out of there. Just the outskirts. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want any human being to go. But if people re reject Jesus, that's the only place to go. And I, so I'll share this with you in closing. Let me just show you one more scripture, and then I'll share this little testimony in closing, and we can be dismissed here. Open your Bibles, or turn in your Bibles, I should say, to Acts chapter 9. And um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 here. Acts 9, the book of Acts. I used to be dizzy. Spiritually speaking, kind of just going in circles. No, what am I doing here? I'm going to be a rock and roll star. I'm going to move to Hollywood. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And thank the Lord he saved me before any of that could happen. Because we were headed there quick. I, I was in a really good band called 357, a little rock band that we wrote all our own music. And uh, we were really good. And um, the Lord saved me from making it big. <laughs> Praise God! I tell you, some people make it big and they leave God. The pole of the world sucks them in and the riches of this, you know, lusts of other things and deceitfulness of riches just yanks on them and pulls their neck. I know some people personally right now that 
have been pulled that way and, and it's strong. And I wouldn't judge them because I know how strong it is. I just thank God I was spared from that. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Saul kept breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, and he went unto the high priest. And Saul of Tarsus, desiring of the high priest, letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this Christian way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He was terrorizing the church. He was blaspheming. He was injuring the church. He was wasting the church. He, he was hurting Christians. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined a light, light round about him from heaven. Saul fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who are you, Lord? That's a good question, right? Who, who is God, right? Yeah. Who are you, Lord? What's his answer? I'm Jesus. This is after the Lord raised from the dead. He appeared to him in a vision on the road to Damascus. He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks or to go against the grain. He was persecuting Christians. And Paul, trembling and astonished. Now, this is the question. You ready? Lord, what will you have me to do? Then he tells Paul some things that we don't need to read right now. I want you to think about that in your own life. Lord, what do you want me to do? God's not playing hide and seek with his will. He will tell you. Seek and you shall find, right? But you might have to turn the TV off for a little more than five minutes. You might have to put Facebook on hold for a day or so. Is it worth it, guys, to find out, clarify from the Lord your purpose? Question, this is going to happen. When you stand, when we stand before Jesus at that day, and he looks in our eyes with his eyes of love and asks us, son, daughter, when you're on the earth, did you do my will for your life or your will for your life? What are you going to say? Hopefully we can all say, Lord, I fought a good fight. To the best of my ability, I finished my course. Not, not claiming perfection. And Lord, I kept the faith. I didn't stop. I didn't deny you. I didn't go the world's way. I stayed with you. I, I can tell you this from personal experience, such as, and some of you may have other testimonies that say something a little different or expounded on this, but my own personal testimony is, I know the day my life turned around. I know the day that depression began to leave my life. I know the day that joy began to increase in my life. I know it. I can tell you only what I know because I know this. It was the day that I decided to get out of what I was in and to dive completely into the things of God. It was the day I decided to make Jesus and His things my life, not just a part of my life. It was the day I decided not to make church an add-on, but to realize I am the church and I have a part in the body and everything out there revolves around my place in the body of Christ. Not my place in the church revolves around everything out there. My dep depression left me. I'm, I'm telling you the truth right here. You don't have to believe me, but God knows. Carla knows some of it. She doesn't even know all of it. But I came out of darkness and into perfect peace and joy. I haven't had a sad day in 30 years. Plus, I don't have any more sad days. Challenges, yes. Problems, yes. But nothing took my joy for over a 24-hour period and never will because I have purpose. We have out there on our sign right now, people are driving by. It says, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Compared to kingdom business, compared to our purpose, compared to eternity, I don't care what we go through on this planet, nothing should be able to take our joy. We got a future and it's bright. We got a purpose and it's secure and real. I got a place in the kingdom of God. I'm not just a nobody. God wanted me and his family. He's pleased that I'm alive. Everything is wonderful because I'm saved. But I had to, I had to get out. I, had to, I realized I couldn't just put a patch on my life. I needed a whole new life. See, some people get saved and Jesus helps them, but they never change their course. They keep doing what they want. They never say, Lord, what do you want? 
The greatest day of my life is when I 100% gave my life to the Lord, dove into the things of God, dove into the church, helped in my church, gave my all for the Lord, served my, my, my pastor, whoever I was under, just helped them to the best of my ability. My life opened up like a flower in the spring sunshine. And it's wonderful. Find out what the things of God are. Church is one of those things. Right? Walking in love, being a witness for Jesus. It's wonderful. I realize that one of my greatest purposes, no matter what job I have, no matter what career I have, no matter what talents I have, no matter where I go, one of my greatest purposes is to simply be an influence for Jesus everywhere I go. That's not necessarily saying Jesus, 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 Jesus everywhere I go, but it's acting like him, talking like him, loving like him, tipping like him. Are you following me? Well, I'll tip my waiter if they're good. You need to tip them more if they're not good and be like God was toward you. Yes. Amen. Loving you when you don't deserve it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tip my waiters. They just spilled my food and took, brought me the wrong this and blah. You need to tip them more and treat them like God's treated you when you spilt everything. Right? Come on, man. Let's, let's be an influence for Jesus everywhere we go. Find your place in the church. Man, if it's gardening... If it's gardening in the church, if God wants you to help in the landscaping, dive into it. Be the best. Search the scriptures. Pull them weeds. Clip them clippers. Right? Adopt that. If that's, if that's got what God's called you to do, to help in the church, and that's what's available right now, get into it. Love it. God will anoint you. He'll empower you. He will gift you. And He will fulfill you. And you'll realize, I'm not just taking care of a tree. I'm taking care of God's tree and it's connected to God's kingdom. And what I'm doing right here is going to last forever. Greeter, cameraman, sound man, praise team, children's worker, et cetera, et cetera. You turn it into a purpose instead of just a job. God will see your heart. He will promote you and everybody's going to want what you got. Peace, joy, contentment on your face. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.